making a, like imagining a family as a collection of individuals or a springboard for individual success, you think about family as a vehicle through which you live life. And Welcome to the Two Cent Dad podcast, where we interview dads to discuss their journeys of intentional fatherhood while doing work they care about and living a life of purpose. I'm your host, Mike Sudik. When you think about families, do you think about a nest or do you think about a multi-generational family that you're contributing to a legacy? Most Western um, families think about a nest and they think about getting the kids out of the nest. And my guest today, Jeremy Pryor, who runs FamilyTeams.com, really flips that on its head. And instead, he talks about a multi-generational family and how we should view families differently and how the Western view of family has really messed up so many fundamental things in in how we raise our kids, how we talk about family, and how we um, create multi-generational families that love each other and actually invest in the generations to come. And so real excited to have Jeremy Pryor on today's uh, podcast, and he's really going to challenge a lot of your thinking, and let's jump right into the episode. Well, today on the podcast, we have Jeremy Pryor, who's the founder of Family Teams. You can find them at familyteams.com. He's also a father of five, I, th- I think just five, right? Um, oh, and uh, he's there, you know, doing a really cool thing where they're um, working with teams to to build family teams, and he's going to talk all about that in today's show, but um, really a an, a cool movement to counter kind of where family finds itself in today's culture, and I'm excited to talk about that, talk a little bit about some of your house church initiatives too, Jeremy, so thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh man, thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate being here. Love talking about this stuff. Yeah, and I recently listened to a podcast of yours where you're talking a little bit about this, and I actually sent it to my wife, and I was like, I got to have this guy on on the show. So she was excited. <laughs> so she had a bunch of questions that she sent to me before the, before this call. But, um, uh, I, yeah. I wanted you to maybe start off like the family team side of things. Um, and how you, what is family teams? What's a family team? What is that about? And how did that evolve and, and come to be? Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's a philosophy of family where instead of basically, uh, making a, like, imagining a family as a collection of individuals or a springboard for individual success, you think about family as a vehicle through which you live life and your family is your team. And, uh, and so how it happened was I was, I grew up in a, you know, in a region, um, I'm in the Seattle area where there was just so much brokenness that I saw in families. And it looked like an experiment that had just gone off the rails, like, you know, so much divorce, so much, so much suffering happening with with men and women, with children especially. Uh, I was a youth pastor for a number of years there as well and just saw, you know, as we were working with kids, just such uh, devastation. And I, I honestly really lost any optimism or hope that family was like a really positive thing. It's kind of, you know, I was probably just annoyed when people talk about, like I really wanted to follow the Lord. I really wanted to, um, you know, understand what it's like to, you know, to, to be part of God's kingdom. But how fam- like family just looked like it was, you know, really uh, just a, an idea that, that had some, somehow expired or something. Um, so you weren't married I at had, that time? No, I was, I was single. Okay. Yeah. No, I was single. Um, I was excited about getting married. There was a lot of, you know, benefits to being married that as a Christian you can imagine. But, um, but, but you don't have to have kids, right? Are you, if you do, you can really <laughs> minimize 
the, the number or sp- space them out or make sure they don't interfere with your life or, you know, just being concerned in general about like how, how, um, you know, whether or not that, that even bring kids into this world is a really positive thing. I mean, these are all deep questions I was asking as I was watching a lot of my friends, you know, choose to, to abandon some, some choose to abandon having kids and just like, let's have pets. Like, let's just live downtown. Let's have a, you know, let's really think about like a crafting a lifestyle that, you know, we really want. Um, and, you know, really questioning whether or not it was smart to bring children into that equation. So I, I was, which, I was really, which, you know, this is, this is how many ideas. years ago. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Was, I mean, this is this is this is what year? Yeah, this was the this was the mid and late nineties. Yeah, this yeah. was like, you know, twenty five, almost thirty years ago. Yeah, where, yeah, it's gotten a lot worse in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but we, uh, um, and so the, yeah, that that was kind of where I was at. And then then I I I just I was uh, doing a semester abroad in Jerusalem, um, and so I was just there to learn Hebrew. I wasn't really there to have any kind of, you know, cultural experience. But I just kept seeing men and children like everywhere like on the plane and just them playing and just and there, there was one day where I was minding my own business sitting you know I think next to one of the walls in Jerusalem because our school was right it was you know right next to the old city and I watched this group of dads like a uh, pushing strollers with all these little kids in tow you know kind of like what I, I'd seen mom, mommy brigades before but I'd never seen a daddy brigade and I was like, what is this? Like, why are these men? And I, I just, and I saw this with, uh, I was making some, I had some friendships with, you know, some Arab men as well that lived in the old city. And they were, all they want to talk about was their kids. I mean, it was just like, I'm like, what, what is going on here? Like, I, I, cause I, it was such a contrast to go from a place where uh, men in particular, but I would say just culture was just really, really not excited to talk. Let's talk about work. Let's talk about creative hobbies. Let's talk about lifestyle design. Um, kids, that's not something we were excited about to a culture where, um, everyone wanted to talk about kids, especially the men, the men, especially want to talk about kids. I was like, where did this come from? So I started asking them questions and, um, kind of being a little bit of a, you know, a cultural, you know, like archeologist, like trying to dig up, like what, what are the ideas? Where do they come from? And, uh, and man, I was just shocked how different they thought about family. Like the ideas they had about family were different. Um, and, mm. and, you know, and, and so I started to try to understand, okay, what are they saying family is and what do we say family is? And, and to me, as I started to try to bring it down into a language I could understand from even my cultural perspective, the simplest way to describe it was that, you know, men in the Western culture or, you know, men and women, and the more Western they are, the more they tend to think about family like a nest, you know, like, the nest is the perfect metaphor for the Western family. You know, you nurture the chickies for a while. They, you push them out of the nest. They fly away. It all starts over again. And, you, you, you know, that kind of family, that springboard for the individual success, it kind of resets every generation. And you don't really know who your great-grandparents are. You'd have a really hard time naming them because they're not really relevant to your life. Like, because we, we reset every generation. Like, that's how we think about family. And, and to me, I thought everyone thought about family that way. Like, I never even heard of another way to think about family. And here I was in a culture, I'm like, what do these guys say? And I, I think the best way that I, I could sum up very, very succinctly how these Jewish and Arab fathers thought about family was a multi-generational team on mission. So they, they would think about, they primarily saw family as a multi-generational, like they, they, they were very connected to, um, you know, their ancestors. They, they really saw family as a, a group that continued to work together into adulthood. 
you know, and mm-hmm. throughout their life. And then if they were to take on things, whether it's like a religious thing, you know, where like we're going to, or a business thing they, they, they would, their first group they would, they would pull to, to accomplish a mission was their family team. Um, and, and they, if you ask them where this came from, both Arabs and Jews talk about Abraham, like all the time when it comes to being fatherhood, father, Abraham, father, Abraham, you know, in the new Testament, Jesus, when he was, you know, telling the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, he called, you know, a father, Abraham, multiple times, Paul refers to Abraham this way in the epistles. I had never thought about this. In fact, I had studied Abraham uh, in seminary specifically, and we yeah. had only talked about Abraham as a man of faith because we all assumed, I certainly assumed, that his vision for fatherhood was just a cultural artifact, right? He was obsessed with descendants. I mean, if you ever read the book of Genesis, Abraham was like, oh, God, give me descendants like the stars, you know, give it, you know, <laughs> what can you give me, God? What can you give me? I don't even have a son. Like, like this, this sounds, you know, very Middle Eastern. Um, you know, that, that's the way Abraham thought. And, and now I've started to understand why. Like, if, if this is what family is, if we're stewarding a multi-generational line and we yeah. get to work together uh, across generations and for our whole lives, and the family is the team through which we live life, and that when we think about mission, we think about whatever those things we want to accomplish in life, whatever our callings, our assignments, as, as things given to the family and not to the individual. Now, all of a sudden, especially as a man, I get super passionate about, about family. And yeah. so I, I just had an incredibly hard, I would say, transition, like very fast. Like I went from, I don't know if I want to have kids to, oh my gosh, when can I have kids? You know, yeah. and, and that's why I think ideas matter. And what a lot of Christians say, and this is what I grew up with, focus on the family and other ministries, really were teaching that what was wrong with the family is that, that we just need to teach dads to love their kids more, to be more present, to focus on their family more. Um, those are symptoms of a deeper problem. Um, mm. It's not that, and what I learned in living in the Middle East, it's not that these men, these Middle Eastern men, were, were less loving than my friends in Seattle, you know, that were Christians. It wasn't that. It, they, they thought about family differently. And so um, my question was, what would happen if a Western father started thinking about family the way that Middle Eastern fathers thought about family? And, and that's, that's what family, I, so I started to, I did that. It had a massive impact. I, I suddenly started valuing and seeing the world differently. I mean, it's just a, a very different way to see the world. That's that's a great story. I think that is it's spot on, and it's interesting that you had that experience like twenty something years ago. You know, in the in the mid to late nineties, because like like you said earlier, it's kind of just gotten worse, right? You know, I would have yeah. thought you would have told that story that happened just like a few years ago, right? <laughs> and um, yeah. my question is like, what? Um, why do you think that resonates? You, you said with the focus on the family, they're saying you just need to love or be more present with your family. Why does it resonate more? Why was that so impactful for you to see that as a team and as kind of a mission, as a man specifically and a father, right. why did that resonate so much more? And then as you've kind of done your work with, with this family team's initiative and, and all that, how have you seen that play out? You know, the maybe seeing those light bulbs go off. And then, then I want to talk about a little bit how you fulfill that, but I'm just curious. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think that, I think that, the that kind of focus on the family, um, and it's not not just not to pick on them. There's every Christian ministry in the Protestant Western world. I would say all were attempting to figure out. You know, they all saw the problem with family, and and then, but I think their solution was that to make fathers into good mothers, and and I really think James Dobson like mm. typified this. He was a psychologist. He was a very nurturing man, um, and so I think that I think that that there's a small percentage of men 
who, you know, who really resonate with that message. They always wanted to be, have kids. They can't wait to have kids. You know, they, they want to nurture kids. Like, yes, that there are, there are men who, who have that. Um, but I would say that the majority of men want to build things <laughs> that last. Yeah. Like they, they want to lead teams. Like the reason why men go into the military, the reason why men love sports, there's something different about men. And so when you're telling men that in order for you to build a good family, you need to become more of nurturing, better at building a nest. Like I said, like, you know, 10, 15% of men are going to be, okay, well, I, I think I really would love that. I, I would love to have kids. Um, but the vast majority of men will say, that's okay. If I have to do that to do my duty, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll try to stick with that. But then I'm going to go find my teamness somewhere else. Like I'm going to mm. build things with in work. I'll build things in, in my hobbies. I'll, you know, whatever. So that's what I think happened. And what I noticed in the Middle East was that it was the opposite um, there. Like the men in the Middle East were very aware that when you're building a family, you're building something. In fact, to them, it's the most lasting team you could ever build. And so yeah. it was really weird to blow up that team that had been handed to you by your grandfather and your father, and you're having it for a, for a certain period of time, and then you're going to pass on to your children and your grandchildren. Um, like that's, that is so much more meaningful uh, than, than anything I could build at work or any kind of sports team I could participate in. Um, and so, so that, that, that's where I feel like really, we, and this is a really weird thing to say, but I don't think Western men in particular even know what family is. I think that they, they are actually confused. And that's very strange because people, if there's anything people feel like they're an expert at, it's the definition of family. We all were raised in families. We, so it's very counterintuitive to challenge somebody's you know, underlying definition of a family. What is a family? Um, and, but I, I personally realized I didn't know what it was um, until I had this experience. And so, uh, and so when I started to see family differently, and I think that one of the reasons why I think we can, at least as believers, uh, we can, we can understand, uh, I would say like a, an original definition of family, uh, because the scriptures actually give us a, a revelation of what that is in the first yeah. chapter of Genesis. I mean, God actually gives us a definition. He says to the first family, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and rule. In other words, he, he had a he had a massive multi generational task to bring the the presence of God and and the order of of this garden um, into the rest of creation into this kind of uh, chaotic um, uh, the rest of of all that that created order and in order to do that he he decided not to start a business not to you know not to build a government but to create a family and give them a mission and mm-hmm. a mission that could only be accomplished multi-generationally because they couldn't do it in one generation and could only be, and he gave it to the whole family as a team. And so I think right in Genesis one, uh, you have the definition of family as a multi-generational team on mission. So I don't think that we need to be confused as, um, about the definition of family, but I do think we've been, and you know, this is a, this, this definition of family as a springboard for individual success or as a nest that sort of self-destructs, you know, um, that, that's a very <laughs> when you put it that way it's kind of funny but it that's kind of what it it is like the, or yeah. like that's how it's lived out right it's like yeah. you empty the nest we, and you just self-destruct and you've launched these people out of the world right <laughs> we have a nest right now on our porch and i was really fun watching the birds um you know raise their chickies but it's totally empty now you know and there's nobody there um, and, and just as men, when you know that what you're building is basically going to self-destruct and you actually know that, I mean, imagine being a man, this picture this. So you're, 
You well, are. I am a man, so I don't uh, have to imagine. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this don't, won't take too much imagination for you, Mike. Um, but anybody else out there, imagine being a man. And you are, you know, you, you are being tempted to make a major mistake, let's say, with your, uh, in your marriage. Like you're being yeah. tempted to maybe cheat on your wife or something. And, you know, you, your kids are kind of getting older, you know, maybe they're teenagers and you're trying to decide whether or not to give into this temptation. And you know that the nest that you're building with your wife is going to self-destruct, you know, like they do after your kids grow up and I'll leave the nest. And you, you have to decide, do I resist this temptation for the sake of this nest that's going to self-destruct in a few years? You know, um, is it worth it? I mean, you know, and obviously you have the scriptures or reasons to, to try to be faithful to your wife. You made a covenant, mm -hmm. but that's a big one. Like, yeah. but imagine, imagine a, somebody else who, who's, who looks at it and says, do I want to destroy my primary team? Do I want to, um, do I want to end what my grandfather and my father has, have given to me and what I'm about to be able to hand to my children and my grandchildren? Is it worth indulging in this affair, you know, for this momentary pleasure to destroy the work of generations, not just from the past, but into the future? Yeah. That's a different proposition. And I think that Western men, they're only really wrestling with the First property, not just about affairs, but everything. Like, why would I want to work less? Why would I want to, you know, integrate my kids more? Why would I want to train my children? Like, every time you have to make a sacrifice as a man, you are saying that there's something so valuable about this family that I'm willing to forego whatever I would naturally want in order to work on on my role in this in this household in this family. And that's, man, that you, you, we have to have a reason to do that because that's a lot. That's asking a lot of men. Thank you for listening to the Two Cent Dad podcast. I wanted to take just one minute to tell you how this show is possible. And that is through my business, EC Group. We help software companies get more done by building them amazing developer teams. Now, those teams come alongside their in house developers to help them build more and build faster. We are a purpose-driven company, which means that we use our profits to help support nonprofit work in the locations that we operate. We operate in the U.S., in Michigan, and also in Chennai, India. You can check us out at teamwithec.com. Again, that's teamwithec.com. So if you're hiring software developers or you know someone that's hiring software developers, check us out. Love to talk to you. Yeah. No, I, I think you're spot on. I think that's a good perspective to have. How, so how do you, um, so if the emphasis in the, let's say worldly view of families is to launch them out of the nest. And so the, you know, the saying goes, you know, you're, you're supposed to train up adults and train them to leave or whatever. What, how does that, how do you, the natural, the natural negative of what you're saying would be like, oh, you're just going to coddle them because they're just part of this team. Or if there's not that impetus of like, they need to be self-sufficient to get out of the nest, like to push them out then how does that function beyond as they go and set up their own teams? Like, can you talk about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. I would say most Western parents actually aim at happiness for their children. Mm -hmm. Like that, that, that is, I think, the most natural thing that they're aiming at. And so they're trying to define what that looks like, you know, and that, that's a tough thing to figure out. Like, do I aim at um, and I think but I think that's natural. And I think, again, I think mothers especially might struggle with, OK, is that the right thing to aim at? It's very intuitive. I think that multi-generational families aim at making their grandchildren happy. And mm -hmm. so that really does require you 
to be very careful how you parent your children because you have to prepare them to lead the next generation yeah. to represent the family. Yeah. Um, you know, th this was really well described in, um, in a parable Jesus told, you know, one of my favorite kind of descriptions that he gave of, of what a son is. Cause when you, usually when you talk to most Western people and you say, you know, what comes to your mind when you think of a son, they think of like a five-year-old, you know? Yeah. Um, that's not the way Middle Eastern people think. Like they think of a grown man yeah. and, um, because they don't, we don't actually understand what a son is. Um, anyway, Jesus told the story about a father who had a vineyard and then he left and he kept sending these tenants or these representatives or messengers to come and get the produce from these, uh, these tenants, but they, they were selfish and they kept beating up the various messengers and not, not giving them the produce. And so the father finally fed up. Jesus says, the father says, I'm going to send my son. They will respect my son. That's a son. Yeah. Like he's coming in the full power and representation of the father. And yeah. so to your question, when you, when you were raising a son or a daughter, um, like those, those are not children. Those are, those are the future uh, leaders of the family, right? They're, they're And so uh, if you have that vision, yeah, to coddle your children, to endlessly aim at their happiness, those things really do destroy the next generation. But we yeah. do have to have a vision that allows us to really, you know, uh, parent and raise our children to be strong for, for what they're going to, what their, what their, what their responsibilities are going to look like in the future to carry on and to expand, um, to expand the family. Yeah. No, this is getting me amped up, man. I'm excited. <laughs> That's get, getting me excited about, you know, my role in the, in that. Um, so what you, I, I wanted to go down the kind of tangent of, you know, without a biblical worldview, What's the purpose of a family? Because there's a there's a narrative out there, especially that's I think tied to kind of like climate change. Like there should, what are you doing? Like I'm a I have five kids, and people are like, I think some people could say, oh, you you know, there's already enough people in the world. What are you doing? And there's kind of this right. this outlook that I guess it's a it's more of a worldview. And so yes. how is that addressed? I mean, like, the, I mean, apart from a biblical worldview, you can't really address it, but it's 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 so prevalent you know, the, the, the narrative, the thinking that, that worldview in the world today, you know, which is a, it's a very pessimistic, like sad, depressed worldview because it's like people are having, oh, you should just have a pet or like a pet is the same, like a, like dog dad. When you see like someone that's like a dog dad, like it's right. just like the epitome of <laughs> the brokenness of what's <laughs> going on in the world. I, I guess I shouldn't yes. say that too, like against anyone, but I don't know. That's right. Well, that's it. This is where I think, People have to understand that worldviews and, and the in the a way the way to really understand meaning is to try to understand how the story ends, right? Yeah. And if the story ends with you know the Earth kind of crispifying because of you know um, just eventually we just deplete all the resources, you know, then then of course that idea that you know come do be as be as gentle as possible, don't reproduce, don't consume, you know, and then you know try to leave the uh, the planet with as little. Um, you know, uh, impact as possible. And, you know, and so having children just sort of perpetuates the, you know, the disease that human beings are on the planet. Yeah, of course, believing that, that, that that's the end of the story is going to really implicate your idea of family. Um, I mean, and, and humanity as a whole. Um, and so I think that our story in the scriptures, you know, ends in a wedding feast. You know, like yeah. we, we are heading for a table where we, we're going to sit around our father's table you know, and we're going to uh, be united with Jesus forever and be in this, the new Jerusalem and be in this perfect garden city 
where uh, nature and creativity and innovation and all of these things are perfectly intertwined. And so all of those, that picture of, of the New Jerusalem um, and our family spends a, a week every year just celebrating and talking and telling stories and studying the parts of the scripture because I do think we need to really be aware of what that story is and that, and that the families of the earth are preserved. And, you know, even there's this really amazing, um, you know, verse in Micah where it describes at the end where, uh, you know, in the latter days when the, the Torah of the Lord is like descending from Mount Zion and then it ends with the words, every man will sit under his own fig tree and under his own vine and no one will make them afraid. You know, which was this, this was you know, just absolutely massively inspiring to the founding fathers of America. I think George Washington, this was like maybe his last speech. He, he, he quoted those words, like the idea that eventually what we're aiming at is our families, you know, um, having this flourishing uh, within the borders of our households, you know, where, where the, where the produce of the goodness of the household is there um, again, the, uh, around a family table. Um, probably my favorite passage in the whole Bible about sort of the celebration of the meaning of life is is in Psalm 128 where it describes may 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 you be um, you know at your table with your children's children may your wife be like a fruitful vine may your ch- may your sons be like olive shoots thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord um, and so I do think we need to inspire one another as men in particular and fire each other with this vision you know about you know what I want for you Mike is that someday you're going to be 85 years old and you're going to see your, you know, your children and your grandchildren around this, this massive table. You're going to see the legacy of generations and you're going to be able to not contain the incredible meaning that you're going to feel in that moment mm-hmm. about, the, about what your life really represents and that your life is going to permeate what you and your wife have done is going to permeate through generations. Um, and that's going to culminate in the kingdom of God where you're all going to be together. Like that, that is a, these are just different stories. And so we can pick, you know, what, what you believe is true about the end of the story. And that's going to have radically different uh, impact on the way that you choose to have children and raise families. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you do that, Jeremy. Tell me about like what family teams does in terms of like the training, the equipping to, to give those, those light bulb moments like you had in the Middle East, and then to take that, that spark and that inspiration and then equip. I think especially fathers, but um, also mothers and, you know, um, children to fulfill that family team mission. Yeah. Well, I think for us, first of all, you know, these kind of conversations is a big part. We're just trying to help people understand that that the nest and the team are not the same and that you get to choose. You know, it's a free country. If you want to be a nest, (laughs) if you want to build a nest, you know, go for it. You know, but I think I think that that we're seeing demonstrated that 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 that, that is a really broken idea. It's a very recent idea and it's very broken, especially for men. So once you choose, if you do choose to say, okay, well, I want to build a multi-generational team on mission. The next problem you're going to run into is that you're going to open your toolbox for how to build your family. And it's going to be empty yeah. because every single tool in our culture is designed around the nest is designed to, to really help flourish the individuals of the family. And so sports, schools, churches, uh, shopping, everything, you know, TV shows and channels and everyone now has their own little, you know, avatar on, uh, on their Netflix account. Like it, everything is separated by the individual. Everything is to basically deliver to the individual exactly what they want to consume. Nothing's really designed for the family. How many sports are designed for the family as a whole to stay together and to work together? Like that doesn't exist really in our culture, um, which is strange because again, if you decide to be a family team, 
then you need tools to build a family team. Like you can't, and if you're going to be absolutely immersed in a culture that's going to assume that we're going to separate the family into its individual units every time you step out of the house, or maybe even when you step into the house, um, that is a disaster for a family team. And so we start to equip, you know, families with just loading up the tools. We've got tons of tools. And so, um, and so, you know, uh, one of them, like I just described, is crafting a multi-generational family meal where you get to experience your family-ness, where once a week you don't have anywhere to go. This isn't the typical Western family dinner where we're, you know, weekday dinner where we're all sort of, you know, uh, catching up on the day before we all blast out into our individual activities again. <laughs> like we're just saying, no, 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 once a week, stop. Like be a family. Like don't have anywhere better to go or anything else to do as an individual. Mm-hmm. Like have the father sit at the head of the table, you know, have everyone be their family role. Like bless the sons, bless the daughter. And so we learn this from Jewish families because Jewish families have this just magical Shabbat dinner that they do on Friday nights, which, you know, has allowed them to, to continue to think multi-generationally in the face of Western civilization, which is really, that's why I kind of go to that because, you know, I don't want you guys to like, just hear, Oh, here's an idea I dreamed up yesterday. Um, This has been working to keep families uh, thinking multi-generationally for thousands of years. And so I, I think that's the number one tool is you actually have to craft a meal and the t- you have to learn how to steward the table um, if you're going to be a multi-generational family. And so I wanted to create a, a meal in which my children, as they started having kids, couldn't imagine not being there. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, they know exactly where they belong. Yeah. You know, there's a place where they just feel like, wow, I love being a son. I love being a daughter. I love being a part of this family. That's just one example. Which I think that's like, um, it's set, the tone is set from the top down, right? I mean, it's, it's like if, if the parents don't, aren't acting like they want to be there, obviously the kids aren't going to want to be there, right? <laughs> um, so that's, that's, a, that's a huge deal in terms of just, you know, the hierarchy and the, the, with the parents um, having the right vision and outlook around the family as opposed to like, oh, I just, you know, can't wait till you can, they can leave the nest kind of thing, you know? Exactly. Yes, totally. Yeah, there's, and as as a father, you have to understand, yeah, you're, this, that's why, like, for me, I kind of want to always start by talking to dads, because if they yeah. fall in love with the family, then I think it'll be infectious to the whole family. Yeah. Um, if they are really annoyed by their children and by their family, which I understand why you would be, if you, if your vision, you know, is typical Western, like I said, I, I share that 100%. I really, I'm not a kid person. I'm not a nurturing person. That's, those are not my natural instincts. So there's nothing about the Western family that particularly feels um, like it's something that, that just attracts me. Mm-hmm. But this, this idea of building a multi-generational team, I am, I'm all in. And so, yeah. um, so that, that really then helps me to fall in love with, you know, my family, my kids, and love them as individuals and as a team um, properly. But I had to, I had to find, and I think part of this is like your own identity as a father, you have to find, you know, that, that spot in your heart, (laughs) you know, there's a place in your heart that has to wake up. Like you have been handed something and it used to be our fathers and grandfathers used to wake this up inside of us, just seeing how much they love their family, seeing, but if you, if your, if your dad abandoned your family, if you, or if your dad was annoyed and like, you know, was really caught up in work all the time, this is, this is going to be a major transition for you because you, you will not have seen modeled for you um, a fatherhood in that kind of passion for fatherhood. And that's why when I saw these multi-generation or these uh, Middle Eastern fathers, I just was so 
blessed because I, their, their passionate love for family was just contagious. And so we can create that. Like you can get around dads, you know, today that, that have this, this love and this heart, but you have to wake that part of you up. Yeah. What are you seeing out there? Like, and you guys are doing like events and stuff like that. I know you, you have a hard stop here pretty soon, but what, um, there's enormous cultural headwinds. I've, you've already talked about to this type of thing, but you know, this is a very countercultural thing. There's so many things that are, that are, um, coming against it. What are you seeing that, that, to me, I assume that would be really bad, but also can be really good because there it, it the culture then is ripe for something right. that's going to come in and, you know, this, you know, the, the harvest kind of thing. But can you t- speak to that of like, what, what are you seeing? What, what's the, maybe are you guys doing events where you're, you're talking about this and you're seeing kind of light bulbs going off or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very happy to be um, a participant in the counterculture. Yeah. I'm very grateful that we live in a free country you know, as long as the Amish can build what they're building, which is crazy, you know, <laughs> I'm like, you know, then there's no threat to to any family building something that's different and countercultural. Um, and so, yeah, as long as that freedom exists, then I'm so excited to to be able to do this and be a part of that, because I do think then the darker things get, the worse family gets out there, the more the contrast gets clear to the next generation and they can decide for themselves, what do we want to do? Like, yes, if you want to you know, have a dog, you know, and, you know, and, and sort of make that your, uh, experience of family and you're not going to reproduce that idea into the next generation. I definitely think that's appropriate and you can, you can also choose that, but I think the future will always belong to those who are reproducing and who are training the next generation. So, um, in terms of our events, yeah, basically to us, there, there is this this sort of two steps and we do want to be really, um, you know, really gracious with people as they, as they kind of consider these two steps. The first is that this is a very different way to see family. So we don't want, I'm always really careful. Sometimes, you know, we come into churches to do an event and I I try really hard to tell, you know, the leaders of the church and the, um, you know, the people that we get to talk to, look, I, I mean, this is extremely different. And, and so to, to change the whole way you view family, you know, uh, from the way that you assumed family was, that's a huge transition. So we want to give you time and tons of grace uh, and say like this, just lay this before you you know, and see, see if this fires you up and gets you excited and if this resonates. And if it does, great. Like um, if it doesn't, we understand again, you know, you can continue to try to find ways to, to try to make uh, the way you think about family work for you. If it, if, you, if that's possible, then go for it, you know? Um, but so that's the first thing is just sort of, sort of the very carefully lay this before people and, and let them choose. Um, and then for those who choose, yes, we want to build this kind of family. We want to build a, be a multi-generational family team. You know, th- then we do try to engage them in, in this process of learning tools. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything like from like a family sport, like I described earlier, like most people haven't thought about that. Like our, our family for years has, I love sports, but I, I don't want to be running my five kids to five different sports. Um, that's so destructive. These are the best years for us to learn to be a family team is the only time we really have to create that foundation. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not going to adopt the culture's uh, vision for what individual life looks like. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go after this. As, we're going to go after this as a family. That's, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for being on um, and just sharing yeah. your, your heart and your, it's, it's, it's very contagious, but it's, and it's so genuine. So thank you for, for packing so much value into a short time. I appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Oh, so, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So people can find you mostly at familyteams.com. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. That's the best place. We're on Instagram um, a lot. And, yeah, you can follow us there. or All of our resources are there on the website. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Two Cent Dad podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with another dad who you think would benefit. That's really the best thing you can do to help this show. It A, gets the word out, but B, and most importantly, it helps another father be better at his role as a father. And that's what this show, that's what this podcast, that's what the website, that's what the blog, everything exists for. So if you could, share it with another dad who would find value in it. You can always head over to the website, 2centdad.com, the number 2centdad.com. And if you have any feedback, feel free to email me, mike at 2centdad.com. I must also thank the sponsor, EC Group. If you're looking to hire software developers or you need extra development capacity, check out teamwithec.com. Thanks.